Hi, this is Wayne Zell, and welcome back to Blueprint for Wealth, your quick-paced video cast that's designed to help you realize your personal dreams of wealth and freedom. And on this video cast, this podcast, we feature entrepreneurs from all over the country who have great stories to tell. And today, my special guest is Roger Martin. Welcome, Roger. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Roger is, he's got a really cool background. He's He's been in sales and marketing. He's had C-level ownership, uh, level, level leadership positions, but he's the founder or co-founder and CEO of two national franchise brands, which we're going to talk about today. One is Rockbox Fitness and the other is Beam Light Sauna and various other businesses. So he's the ultimate entrepreneur and that who is who my audience is and that's who my guests consist of. Roger, tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Where did you start out? What what did you do at the beginning? I when I graduated undergrad, I went to work in the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, my first job was with Eli Lilly, one of the the big pharmaceutical companies, and I was one of those guys in a in a sharp suit carrying the the bag of uh, samples that would bypass you know the waiting line, which never made the patients happy, understandably. So, um, and you know would work with the physicians and the prescribing professionals to explain why the the products that I carried, the the drugs that I uh, represented, you know, had advantages uh, over some of the other therapies. You know, that's really what that whole industry is built around, around branded pharmaceuticals. So I I ended up working for uh, three branded pharmaceutical companies, three different companies, really built my career at a company called Separacore. Every company I've worked for seems to have been bought by somebody and it's been renamed besides Eli Lilly. But um, spent a lot of time there. That's where I got a lot of leadership experience. Um, I had a span of control of 500 plus people at one time. You know, when I was when I started out and I was a, a sales rep, you know, I remember pointing to the top of the pyramid and saying, I want that job. You know, I'm going to work whatever I have to do and move where I have to move to get that job. And uh, ended up moving my family eight times uh, oh. in, in about 17 years or so. Uh, yes, it, it was, it was a lot and end zone to end zone, like California to Florida, to Georgia, to Texas, to Boston, to, to the Charlotte. Um, and I've been in Charlotte for the last, I guess, last 16 years. And I love it. This, this is home now in Charlotte, North Carolina. I ended up going to work for a private equity firm that owned a pharmaceutical manufacturing facility down in Charlotte. So I kind of left the publicly traded company sector and went to a privately held company and uh, did that for nine years. I was the, I think I got hired as a VP and then was the president when we sold that business. So we went through a process and had a transaction, sold it to another private equity firm. Um, I then went to work for a family office who owned a pharmaceutical uh, manufacturing facility and was the COO there. But, uh, you know, the, the real story is I was at a, a conference in Barcelona, Spain and, uh, you know, at a, at, in a booth, at a trade show booth. And, you know, of course, I I should have been as happy as you could be. I'm in Barcelona, Spain, you know, at this conference, you know, a full expense account, the whole thing. And I remember looking out across this sea of people and just for for just a millisecond, I I just despised everyone there. And then I realized, (laughs) I mean, I'm being being truthful with you. And and then Wayne, I realized, like, it's not them. It's me. It's not them. It's me. You know. Yeah, I wasn't happy. You know, I just yeah. wasn't happy. And I had been on that treadmill for so long and, and you know, kept trying to grab the next ring and the, ne- you know, the brass ring. And, you know, at a certain point, I-, I just realized I've really done what I came here to do in this industry after 25 years. And I am no longer being satisfied. And, and, and this doesn't make me happy any longer. It didn't, it didn't matter what the title was, what the money was. Um, I just 
kind of came to the end of the road of that. And within about four months of that happening, I really named my successor, um, had a transition plan to work out of that company and ended up starting Rockbox Fitness. But the, the parallel story on that is um, my son, who was 12 at the time, he's 20 now, but he was 12 at the time, wanted to take boxing lessons. And so I called all around Charlotte to find the best boxing instructor I could. And I ended up signing him up with this gentleman uh, named Steve Halloran. And Steve uh, was his trainer for a little while. And then Steve passed uh, Jackson, my son, off to uh, another younger trainer that Jackson could kind of gel with more. And that left Steve and I on on the side of the gym, his gym, you know, kind of their arms folded like guys do talking. Yeah. And and I was asking him about his business. And he had two locations. They were his own locations, but he wanted to franchise. I'm super passionate about uh, fitness, nutrition. I love combat sports. I'm a big MMA fan, big boxing fan. And and had been training in boxing and MMA just, just for fitness uh, when I met Steve. And, and he had this idea that he wanted to, to, to franchise. I had already decided I'm going to leave corporate America after 25 years and, and become an entrepreneur. Um, and for those of you listening who are on the, the threshold of doing so, it's scary as hell and never expect it not to be. That first step is always going to be scary. Second step's easier by, you know, I would say Monday after you quit is you freak out Tuesday. You're a little bit scared by Wednesday. You'll never look back. You'll never look back, you know? So I took that step with them and I, and I said, you know, I, I don't want to be a franchisee of yours because that's what he was, he was kind of angling for. Yeah. And, and we sat down and, you know, many, a couple lunches, a couple, a couple dinners. And, and so I got to know him. I said, but you know, I'd like to do some due diligence, really research this industry, really um, understand your business. And if this makes sense, then I want to build a national franchise with you, 50, 50 partners. I'll put in the money. You bring all your expertise and you know, let's, let's build something from scratch. You got to be open to everything up to and including renaming your business because it was named something else back then. Okay. And, and doing whatever it takes to, to get it done. And he was, he was, he is a man of action. And, um, I mean, just the guy can stand up a business and he, I mean, he works incredibly hard. So, and, and he had been in corporate America before and then kind of a serial entrepreneur. So I knew I was getting that, you know, as far as what he was putting in the middle and, and I was going to bring my expertise around sales and marketing and branding that uh, he didn't really have. And that's what he, and he knew he needed that. Uh, I'd love to tell you that, you know, I was an expert in franchising and I knew what to do and all that. <laughs> Wayne, I spent a whole lot of money and, and a whole lot of time and a whole lot of effort figuring it out and, uh, you know, paying lawyers, paying consultants to, to really um, understand that game because franchising, I came to find out, you know, it was a very regulated industry. Yes. There's some, some very uh, controlled documents that um, are strict on what you can and cannot say. And, it's like um, selling securities. I mean, you, you, got you need it. to disclose everything. And if you, you fail to disclose something, you can get into a lot of trouble for that. Yep. So yeah, no, you're, been, you're, you've got it. You've nailed it. Yeah. And it's, um, but you know, again, I'm, you know, one of the themes in my life later in life is I've really started to pay people for their expertise to shorten my learning curve. And, you know, I think when I was younger, I would, you know, I, course when Try we're young we have yourself. more time than money you know, when yeah. we get older we have more money than time you know, i have less runway in front of me than i do behind me so i need to get going here so um we ended up founding rockbox um, i built a flagship store in huntersville which is just a, a suburb of charlotte um opened up that rockbox ended up um hiring a, a gym consultant really the, the best in the industry and and uh that whole team helped me and see understand the model and really 
uh, aggressively grow the model and aggressively grow membership base so that we could replicate that also when we started a franchise. So is Rockbox just... a, basically a facility where people go to box and fight and learn how to fight? And, um, you know, is it, is it like a, the, the image that comes to mind is the old, you know, gym, the boxing ring in the middle and, you know, guys with gloves on or women, you know, with their headgear on and, yep. Uh, tell us, tell us a little bit about what makes it unique, and um, and and what does it look like? What is the what's the vision of Rockbox? Yeah, that's a fun, uh, really fun question for me to answer because it's it's the complete antithesis of that. And what you just said though is what we've worked for six, seven years to overcome in people's minds because they do think of like a smoky old boxing, you know, gym with you know sweat stains everywhere, and that's not Rockbox. So Rockbox is. Um, it's boxing for fitness so you've and, and kickboxing. So you've got uh, mm -hmm. two different types of bags in a row. And then behind that is a full functional strength uh, circuit. So that's um, got kiosks and iPads that kind of show you the exercises. So you have an instructor on a mic, the music playing at concert volume, of course. Um, we have color adaptive lighting. So the lighting changes with the music. And it's, it's more of kind of a, a nightclub feel than you would think of like a, an old boxing gym. So there's no sparring. There's no, you know, we always kind of joke, you know, we bust calories, not noses. So nobody gets hit. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it, it's strictly for fitness. We do teach people how to box and we give them, you know, the, the real technique on how to stand, how to move. Um, but the only thing they punch are bags or we'll do like some mitt work where we'll hold mitts, but it's a, it's a group fitness. So um, most of the studios can hold anywhere from 32 to 40 people in a class. Half of okay. those people are going to be on the bags boxing for half the class. And then behind them, think battle ropes, uh, kettlebells, dumbbells, anything without a moving part uh, we use for functional fitness. So, you know, core strength and, and, and real, real strength versus, you know, a machine or like we don't, we don't have bikes or rowers and those are great, but you can only do well, it's one better thing. for guys like me. I mean, at my yeah. age, that's the kind of exercising I should be doing functional fitness as opposed 100%. to, you know, the other stuff that other people. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's, and so what you do, you're burning a bunch of calories in your boxing. You're having fun. The music's playing, you know, you've got a, an instructor on the mic who's hyping you up and calling the combination. So it's not just free form. Like there'll be a combination will be called for 30, 60 or 90 seconds. And then they keep calling new combinations. And then, you know, the other half of the class, uh, in the second half of your class, if you start on the, on the boxing side, you know, you're again doing battle ropes, you know, dumbbell lifts and, 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 uh, TRX, things like that. Sure. Um, so, so you build lean muscle. So you burn a lot of calories, build lean muscle, but you know, the way we position this franchise is it's, it's funny, Wayne, when people, when they quit on their fitness, when they quit on their health, they're not, they're not quitting gym a, and then going down the street to join gym B. Right. They're just quitting on their fitness period. And a lot of the research shows it's because of boredom. Usually people go to a big box gym, they, you know, they pay their 40 bucks or whatever. Uh, they go straight to the treadmill cause that's the piece of equipment they know how to use. And then, you know, maybe they do some machines or whatever, but it's, you know, it's, it's not the most engaging workout and it can be, you know, quite boring. And so we've really worked hard to build not only a fitness program that's engaging, but a community around that. So there's events that we'll have and, and you know, the studio, the, the franchisee owners will have on a monthly basis or, um, certainly on a quarterly basis or more often, you know, challenges within the studio, um, you know, buddy programs and different things to really build that community. Because if people feel that their, their fitness place is 
you know, that third place where I was talking about, you know, home work. And then that third place, of course, Starbucks is aiming to be that third place. And, <laughs> and so are we. Um, but if they feel attached to that, you know, they, they'll quit a membership, but they won't quit a relationship. And so if we can help them with accountability, we help them with their nutrition and a really engaging, truly fun, it's hard, but it's fun workout. They stick with their fitness for much, much longer. And so our members, you know, they, they get more value for, for their investment in their fitness because they stick with it. Cause the goal so when somebody comes into experiencing that in, in your franchises all around the country or. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's because people, I would love to tell you that, you know, we, we built this and we, we built the whole thing from the ground up and, and, you know, the lighting and the, and the music and the curated playlist and all that stuff. But that's not why they come through the front door. They come through the front door because they say, look, I, I got 30 pounds I got to lose and I can't. And I've tried. I've dieted 50 times and I've tried keto and I've joined a gym and I've had a personal trainer and I, I don't stick with it. So, I, you know, they're not really coming to do the workout. They're coming for the result. But we know if we can give them an amazing experience, they'll get the result because they'll stay with it long enough. So It'll it's kind of fun. It'll yeah, be... give them what they want so they get what they need. Yeah. yeah. So how many company stores do you have that company owns stores? Yeah. So we're unique in that. Uh, we don't have any company corporate stores on either of our brands, Rockbox or Beamlight Sauna. We do have stores that are independently owned by the partners in the business. So like currently I own a, a Beamlight Sauna here in, in Charlotte, you know, built it with my own money, staff it with my own money, you know, run it with my own money. Okay. And, and then Jeff, uh, one of my partners in, in Rockbox, he owns a studio, you know, his own money. Um, Steve has owned several studios. I own, I used to own two rock boxes and then I ended up selling those to, to franchisees. But we, the thing about corporate stores is, um, one I found, you know, not, I'm not saying this about all franchisees, but I've, or franchisors, but I've found, I've seen franchisors in their documents where they'll have a corporate store that shows amazing performance. But you know, when you look at the, the expenses, there's a lot of things missing and, and, and that's being subsidized by the franchisor itself you know, that, that, that corporate store. And I just, like you said, full transparency, you said you have to disclose everything. And so we just made the decision, no corporate stores, they're, they're great investments. So we've personally built our own and invested, you know, in the brands because we believe in it Okay, and, and they make money, but, um, but yeah, they're, they're independently owned by us or by the franchisees. How many franchisees do you have now? Yep. So in Rockbox, we have 61 open locations. Uh, I think number 61, or 62, maybe 62 just opened this week. And, uh, and then in beam, that's a newer franchise. So we started franchising that last year. Um, we've already awarded um, 200 licenses. Now the little caveat on that is some of those licenses are area developers where they're going to, to, you know, resell some of those licenses. Sure. Um, but we have, I want to say 51 in development right now of, of beam light saunas. So that brand has taken off like a rocket ship. It's so yeah. I, I got, I've got Rockbox. I think yep. I understand it. It sounds like a really unique, successful fitness, uh, idea. Mm -hmm. And you know, the fact that you've got 61 or 62 open already is, is fabulous. How did COVID affect mm -hmm. Rockbox? Yeah. That must've been a, a, just a horrible period to go through. It wasn't fun. Um, I'll tell you, it was, it was interesting because, uh, you know, I had undergraduate degree, got my MBA later and I'm an avid reader. And I remember calling my, one of my two partners in the business on March 16th, 2020. 
Yeah, and that's when the remember that day. The, yeah, the well. news were going crazy. Yeah. You know, the news reports we were having to change the workout, spray, uh, space people apart. You know, antivirus spray everywhere. But again, nobody knew what was really going on. We all thought it was right. a zombie apocalypse. Like, what you know, what is this? Right. And and then finally, you know, the members were just pushing back. Like, oh, we're not sure if it's safe to come here anymore. What you know, what, what's going on? So we, I, I called my partner and I said, look, I, you know, all my education, all my reading. If there was a class on ha- how to handle a global pandemic, I missed it because I'm not sure what I'm supposed to, you know, I was the CEO. I'm like, I'm not sure what we're supposed to do here. And, uh, and we, w- we went back to our values. We're, we're a values-based company. And, and one of the values is trust. And, you know, the, the members, the employees, the, the, the franchisees were trusting us to make the right decision. So we voluntarily uh, shut down before the government mandated it. Um, I think like the very next week they mandated it, but we, it was just, it was one of those pivotal moments where we had to do the right thing, which hurt the business, but it was the right thing values wise until, you know, we could figure, we all could figure out what was going on. And we were, we immediately within 72 hours had pivoted, built an online portal, had not only nutrition and workouts, but also like um, goal setting sheets and, and all kinds of stuff that we, that we built into this portal to make available for our members. And then we started filming Facebook live uh, uh, workouts. And then also the studios would do zoom workouts so that we could service our members, albeit remotely. And that first month, um, we kept over 80, like all the, the entire network. Now we were smaller back then, maybe 15, 20 locations, but, um, the entire network over 80% of the members continued to pay full price, even though we were closed because wow. yeah, we were servicing them the best way we could, you know, providing, you know, a value to them albeit remotely, but on a sort of like what Peloton was doing, you know, that's why they became so popular, but you all anticipated it. That's brilliant. Well, Well, I don't know if we anticipated it. We just responded fast, right? We just responded fast. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about beam light source. Um, I know nothing about this. What is, what's the concept? Why is it so exciting? I, um, I'm really, really bullish on this concept. Um, beam light sauna is an infrared sauna studio concept. So what that means are is you know people that are looking to lose weight, burn calories, uh, which is similar to fitness. Uh, if they're looking you know to relieve pain, uh, you know reduce inflammation, you can actually it boosts your immune system because it, it raises your core temperature, which fires off your immune system in a healthy way, um, and and it is amazing for your skin. So infrared, there's near mid and, and far infrared rays, and they each penetrate your body at a different level far being of course the deepest into into your into your core Mm -hmm. but it it is it's an amazing science that's been around for decades but it really hadn't made its way into the the lay press and uh, and wasn't really commercially available well now it is and now you have lebron james and stephen curry and the kardashians posting about it because they get so much benefit from it which is raising the awareness so we've created a concept where um, just like a fitness studio, you go in, although it's private. So you're going to have, we have uh, in most of the studios, there'll be eight private rooms, each with its own private infrared sauna. Um, very, very large. You can spread out in it. Um, some of them are even large enough that you can have two or three people, if, you know, girlfriends want to get together or a couple wants to go in and relax. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll have that. They're 40 minute sessions. You know, we it's full towel service. So it's, it's, it's a spa like environment, but a little bit more modern. It's not dark with a waterfall, you know, it's very well lit, it's more like an Apple store and we've infused technology into the experience. So when a, a prospective, a prospective member comes in, um, we've created the software called Lumi L U U M I, which is, um, really a decision tree software that 
allows people to say, here's what I'm looking to achieve, you know, weight loss or skin, uh, you know, enhance my skincare, whatever it may be. And then that takes them through an educational process that's about four or five minutes. And then when they come out of their, after their first session, uh, Lumi, she has recommended, um, uh, you know, a, a program for them, depending on how often they can come per week. And then we, of course, then the, the front desk will then present the, the membership options at different price points or whatever. But do you think there's the stickiness in that model that people will be coming back and back and back? Yeah. So we've opened, um, the first four locations and the, the, the first one was, uh, a business partner that I met and, and uh, actually met through Steve and, uh, brought her in. She wanted to franchise again, had no idea how to do that. This time I did know what I was doing and, mm -hmm. uh, and ended up sharing with her what it would look like and how we would build it out. And, uh, I, like I did with Rockbox, ended up building my own studio. We opened that studio with 170 members on recurring revenue the day we opened. The next studio was up in Virginia Beach, and that one opened with 318 members the day it opened. Wow. So, yeah, we're really good at this pre-sale process, this pre-launch process, and we got good at it because of Rockbox. We got really good at it, you know, honing that process with Rockbox, and then we just picked up that sales and marketing model and put it on top of Beam Light Sauna, and it's a very similar recurring revenue health and wellness, uh, membership based, uh, uh, program. It's just not fitness. It's, it's infrared sauna. And then there's additional light therapies, um, red light therapy, which sounds like infrared, but it's a, it's different in how it affects your body. Myriad published articles, peer reviewed published articles on the benefits of red light therapy itself. And then there's additional light modalities that again, start in the medical community and then enough data is collected that they become safe for consumer use. And then, of course, we buy, you know, not the junk you'd buy on the internet, but, you know, we're buying the commercial grade equipment from, from the original, you know, the OEM manufacturers. And then we put that in to our studios for a membership model so people can use it. Is that a significant light. investment that a franchisee is going to have to make? I mean, what, what's the level of investment if they want to open up a full, yep. uh, you know, fully stocked, fully uh, ready? Yeah. Beam so, Yep. So both, both concepts are pretty close. Um, a little bit of variance, but both concepts are in that 350 to 550 range. Uh, and the difference is honestly where you're located, your rent, um, your working capital, and then the construction cost. you know, sure. New York city is going to be more expensive than, yes. you know, suburbia USA somewhere. Um, but yeah, it's in that range. And it, it what's nice is, you know, if you looked at like at a restaurant or, or, you know, like a full service restaurant. I mean, those, those things are multi-million dollars to build at least, at least a million and a half, if not more. Uh, and, and the margin is so much lower because of food costs and, and whatnot. And your, your staffing is much more complex. So these are very simple business models, both Rockbox Fitness and Beam Light Sauna, very simple business models. And I'll never say they're easy because business is not easy. As you know, it's a full contact sport. You know, entrepreneurship yes. is full contact. And, and we, we are very open about, Hey, this is simple as it gets from running a business compared to at least some of the businesses I used to run, but it's not easy. So, you know, if you're ready to work, you're ready to put in the time, you're ready to really, you know, mind your business. You don't have to be physically present all the time. I'm certainly not in my business. Um, it's about 40 minutes away and I've got a great general manager and she runs the show down there. And I just look at my KPIs and, and I kind of get a daily report on, on what's going on, but I watch that business every single day. But um, these are really easy, though, to staff. And, you know, both both businesses really only have two types of employees, like, you know, front desk and a trainer or in in uh, 
Beamite sauna, it's it's front desk, and then a sauna attendant who you know flips the saunas and sanitizes them. So super is easy. The, uh, is the membership expensive for Beamlight Beamlight sauna? You know, they, it ranges depending on how often you want to come. So it's anywhere from like I think ninety nine bucks to two hundred and forty dollars a month, depending on how often you want to come and, and okay. what services you're looking for. So. It's, you'll you'll find almost all boutique fitness or boutique wellness services are going to be somewhere in that range, um, you know, where it's affordable, but it's still at a level where people are making an active investment in their health. Um, you know, what and you, you don't find, have to as a as an operator of Beamlight Sauna, you don't have to uh, have any special type of license, hmm, a medical question. license or professional license to do that. No, great question, great question. So we looked at additional services. And, you know, we were thinking, do we do, do we also add IV, you know, the IV drips are really popular right now. And, um, do we, do we add, um, you know, cryo and it's kind of a hot, cold thing. And, and we yeah. just decided that, you know, one, I don't want a medical director. And so if you do IV, if you, you know, if you put a needle in somebody, you need a medical director. Yes. I worked with doctors for 25 years in my previous life and, uh, serve my That's time. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do anymore. <laughs> don't want to do anymore. Um, God bless them. But, um, so we're, everything we look at is safe for consumer use by the FDA. It's been deemed, you know, safe for consumer use, but again, we have the top notch equipment that you can have. So the efficacy of what we're offering is going to be far, you know, exceeding what you could get in your home. Are there any competitors to you out in the marketplace? There are a couple. There's, um, yeah, so there's, there's, um, one called, uh, uh, Perspire and another one called Sweathouse. Sweathouse is still pretty small. Perspire was the first out. They were they I think they started franchising back in like 2013, 14 or so. And they're at 50, 60 units open, I believe. Um so they they certainly have had a slower build than we have. Um we got our branding right, we got our marketing right, we have our pre-launch process right. And again, I I'd love to say that, you know, we're geniuses, but we're not. We've just found out every way not to do it, <laughs> you know, and and which is entrepreneurship. Figure out what not, you know, what you don't fail, you just learn. Right. And so we've learned a lot and been able to apply that to this business. And so this one is just growing at such a rapid rate because of the learnings we've had from previous businesses. And I, I have a third partner in this business. His name's Jeff Duden, kind of a legend in the franchising space, but an undercover boss and all kinds of stuff. And so, you know, he knows at each step what is needed. So we're the kind of business that we're investing, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars ahead of the curve, knowing what the franchisees will need from a support standpoint before they need it because again he's built several companies before several franchise companies and and just knows what it's going to take at each level where i think a lot of early stage emerging franchisors that that are learning for the first time and that don't have somebody like that they can lean into you know they they build it too late and the franchisees are suffering longer than they should be because the franchisor can't afford it so we're, we're very fortunate we're we're um we're still self-funded but we've had, you know, we have the capital to, to invest ahead of revenue, knowing that's the right thing to do for the long term to build a really healthy, stable business. Have you experienced any uh, decline in interest from the from the potential franchisees because of the interest uh, rate hikes that have gone on mm -hmm. over the last year and a half? Yeah, that's a great. That's very insightful. So, no, um, surprisingly, and and I would have thought that would have slowed down a little bit, and then I I learned. Um, franchising often runs counter sick now not interest rates now the point you bring up is, is a very valid point we I mean three hundred fifty thousand to five hundred thousand dollars is not inexpensive no and so and most people they may be able to utilize their 401k in a in a rob's plan type structure but because i've helped clients do yep. that but the 
but the uh, you know it's not easy, and it's and it's there's no simplicity to it. And if you go out and get SBA financing, the you know the commitment and the rates still are very very high today. So that's yeah, why I asked the question. No, very it's very it's a great question, Seifel. Um, <clears throat> we found it's funny you say about Robs and then also HELOCs. We have found. Um, people using that a lot more now than normal. Like it used to just be straight SBA. Everybody would use an SBA that didn't self-finance or self-fund. And right. what we're seeing now are the the companies that help franchisees get financing. They're they're starting to look at ROBS a lot more. They're they're using HELOCs. They're they're looking. They're using private placement capital now for for the right franchisees. And in the past, as you said, it was just it was all SBA. But the rate with the rates where they're at right now. I, I think you'll keep seeing this trend. And then when the rates come back down, people may come back to SBA more, but sure. you know, we'll see. Um, but, but what's crazy though is to finish that point is franchising runs counter cyclical to the economy. And so, yes. you know, I have so many people saying, Oh, what about, you know, what are you guys worried about your franchisor business because of the recession? And the answer is no, because people get laid off and they're like, you know what? That's the third time I've been laid off. I'm done with this. Like I want to take my control of my own life and, and so franchising grows as the recession, as, a, as the economy gets uh, pressed. Yeah. That's a very good point, Roger. I mean, I think, I think most people don't realize that franchising is countercyclical to, you know, the economy. And if we do experience a recession, you'll probably see an uptick in the sale of franchises. You're right. So Roger, Roger Martin, we've been talking with, he's, he's got Rockbox, he's got Beamlight Sauna, uh, all under Thrive More Brands. Um, Roger, if people want to find out more about the franchise opportunities that you're offering, which are very exciting from a health perspective as well as from a economic perspective, how do they how do they find out about this? So they can do two things. They can go to thrivemorebrands.com. So just the word thrive, the word more brands.com. And on there, there's a couple choices. You know, if you have a business that you're looking that you think could be a franchise, we'd love to talk to you about that because we're expanding our platform. So okay. if you think about Thrive More Brands, it's really just a platform company that uses shared services. So we have one marketing team, we have one finance team, you know, one operator, we have different operation teams, but uh, one social media team, all that, that we can, you know, we can share those, those, those resources and it makes it more affordable for the, for the franchisor. Mm -hmm. um, so they can go to thrivemorebrands.com or um, they can follow me, which is real Roger Martin. So just the word real and Roger, R-O-G-E-R -E Martin. And I'm, posting stuff about it all the time. They'll, you know, they'll get sick of hearing me talk about it, but uh, post entrepreneur tips and, and uh, you know, different thoughts on entrepreneurship. And then of course, uh, you know, things on franchising. Well, thanks for being a special guest on Blueprint for Wealth today. I really yeah. appreciate it. And I wish you total success in your entrepreneurial journey so that uh, we'll be reading about you in Forbes magazine top, <laughs> top 100 soon. I think I you've had, that. you've had good experience in the past and it definitely will help you, uh, in, in this endeavor, but it sounds very exciting and uh, it's opened my eyes to a whole new area of franchising. Um, so thank you. Thank you for the, for the insight and the listeners I think are going to really benefit from this today. Too. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you, Wayne. I appreciate the, the opportunity. Thanks for listening to Blueprint for Wealth. Join us next time for another special topic and an educational moment that are designed to help you realize your personal dreams of wealth and freedom. Have a great week. Hi, I'm Wayne Zell and welcome to Blueprint for Wealth, a fast-paced video cast dedicated to helping you realize your personal dreams of wealth and freedom. 
Blueprint for Wealth is brought to you by the law firm of Zell Law, located in Reston, Virginia and Savannah, Georgia, and serving clients all across the country. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at zelllaw.com. Today, before we get to our special guest, we're going to be talking about the Qualified Small Business Stock Exclusion. It's undergone a lot of changes over the last 30 years, and it just recently underwent some additional change. So let's get to it. So the Qualified Small Business Stock, QSBS exclusion, is only for individuals, partnerships, trusts, and estates. It does not apply to corporations that might own stock in another company. It's under Section 1202 of the Internal Revenue, Revenue Code, and up until recently, it allowed you to exclude 100% of capital gain on qualified small business stock. The gain exclusion was 100% after September 27th of 2010, up until this year. 75% between 2009 and 2010, and 50% is the current exclusion after passage of the Build Back Better Act. So the effective tax rate is applicable to the gain on the sale of qualified small business stock. It is not entitled to both a partial exclusion and the use of the lower capital gains rates. Any gain that is taxable under Section 1202 is taxed at a rate of 28% instead of 20%, which is the current capital gains rate. In addition, there may be a net investment income tax that's applicable to it. Up until the end of 2021, the net investment income tax only applies to certain types of gain. After 1231-2021, the net investment income tax of 3.8% applies all across the board. If your facts and circumstances were to result in a higher tax, if you applied Section 1202, you can try to fail the five-year holding period requirement so that you can get better tax treatment. And again, here are the tax rates that apply depending on when the asset was acquired and when the asset was sold. So there's a five-year holding period in order to qualify for this partial exclusion or total exclusion under Section 1202. If a taxpayer acquires the QSB stock in exchange for property other than money or other stock, the taxpayer is deemed to have acquired the stock on the date of the exchange. There's special tacking rules that apply. If you acquired the stock by gift or by death, you get to tack the holding period of the previous owner. Here's an example. Let's say Y purchases QSB stock on January the 15th in year one, and then he dies on March the 15th, leaving the asset to B. In year three, B inherits the QSB stock. Then B sells the stock on January 20th of year six. B satisfies the five-year holding period because he gets to tack Y's holding period to his holding period. There's other special tacking rules that apply to partnerships. But in the case of a partnership to a partner transfer, pass-through of Section 1202 benefits to partners who acquire their interest 
after the partnership acquired the QSB stock is not allowed. And QSB stock treatment and tacking hold, holding periods is permitted in certain non-recognition transactions, such as tax-free reorganizations or contributions to a uh, company in exchange for stock. For any one taxpayer, the maximum amount of eligible gain with respect to the stock of a single issuer that can be subject to the exclusion is effectively no more than the greater of $10 million reduced by any gain taken into account in prior years and 10 times the aggregate adjusted basis of the QSB stock. So let's say B and C each acquire QSB stock in X Corp for $500,000. B also purchases stock that's QSB stock in Z Corp for $2 million. X Corp and Z Corp are unrelated. B and C then sell all their stock. And all of the other requirements, including the holding period requirements, are met. Assume all the transactions are now subject to the 50% exclusion because it's after September 13th of 2021. B sells her X Corp stock for $12 million. Of B's gain, up to $10 million is subject to relief under Section 1202. So assuming a 50% exclusion, B gets to exclude $5 million, 50% of $10 million, from gross income with respect to the sale of the X-Corp stock. B recognizes a gain of $6.5 million, $12 million, minus the $5 million basis, minus $5 million. C sells his X-Corp stock for $11.5 million. Of C's gain, up to $10 million is subject to 1202 exclusion. And assuming a 50% exclusion, he gets to exclude $5 million from gross income. So he recognizes gain of $6 million, and it's taxed at a 28% rate. Same facts, except B sells her Z Corp stock for $20 million. Of that gain, up to $20 million is subject to Section 1202. Why? Because it's the greater of $10 million or 10 times the adjusted basis, and B's basis was $2 million. So it's $2 million times 10. Therefore, $18 million of gain realized is subject to Section 1202, and B recognizes $9 million, half of that, with respect to the Z Corp stock, assuming a 50% exclusion. How do you determine the limit? Well, if you transfer property other than money or stock to a qualified small business stock corporation in exchange for stock in the corp, the taxpayer's basis is not less than the fair market value of the property you exchanged. So if C transferred property to W Corp solely in exchange for QSB stock, the transfer is tax deferred. C's basis in the property originally was $60,000, but it had a fair market value of $100,000. So although his basis is sixty, dollars for purposes of calculating the gain and the exclusion under 1202, it's $100,000 because that's the fair market value. The higher basis number, the fair market value number, 
also applies for purposes of determining the amount of gain. There are certain transactions that allow you to preserve the status of the QSB treatment. For example, if it's acquired in a tax-free reorg, such as what I was describing, or if you put your property into a new corporation in exchange for stock in a controlled corporation transaction, it also qualifies as QSB stock. For married individuals who file separate, the $10 million limit is reduced to $5 million or 10 times the adjusted basis of the stock. For alternative minimum tax, the 50, where the 50% exclusion applied back before 2009, alternative minimum taxable income included 53.5% of the gain, which produced an effective rate of 14% for those in a 26% AMT bracket and almost 15% for those in a 28% AMT bracket. Note that even though the Alt-Min tax did not apply after September of 2010, the question is whether or not it's coming back to haunt us because the exclusion's been reduced to 50%. In the Build Back Better Act that was passed by the House, taxpayers with adjusted gross income of $400,000 or more, including the gain, would be eligible to exclude only 50% of the gain. So the 100% exclusion still applies for small amounts of gain. But if you have more than that threshold amount of AGI and the transaction occurred after September 13th of 2021, it's a 50% exclusion. This is going to have a significant impact on founders and investors in startup corporations and could make the C corporation form less attractive. Remember that to qualify for QSBS treatment, the entity has to be a C corporation when it issues the stock and it only applies to U.S.-based C-corporations. There's an initial original issuance requirement that must be met, which we won't go into in great detail on today's broadcast. The aggregate gross assets of the corporation also cannot have exceeded $50 million at any time after August 10, 1993, the date it was enacted, and the date on which the stock is issued. If the company grows in value such that its gross assets are worth more than 50 in the future, that's okay. It will not qualify Q disqualify you for QSB status. And lastly, and most importantly, QSB treatment is only available to certain qualified trades or business, even though they may be active trades or business. So businesses that are in the fields of health or law, engineering, architecture, accounting, actuaries, brokerage, brokerage services do not qualify for the QSBS exclusion, nor do banking, insurance, financing, leasing, investing, or other similar businesses, and certain other businesses of operating hotels, motels, restaurants, and similar businesses. So these businesses that I just spoke about do not qualify for QSB treatment. If you've got questions on the qualified small business stock exclusion, give us a call at 571-203-9355 or look us on, up on the web. Send us an email. Contact us at zelllaw.com. 
I'm Wayne Zell. You're listening to Blueprint for Wealth. And stay tuned for our special guest. Music.